Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Lee Sloan. As we close into our series, I want to let you know that we had some excellent messages. Josh preached the last three, and if you missed any one of them, please go grab it. Go get it offline. Uh, get it into your spirit, even if you need to listen to it more than once. Um, and so we've gotten some really great keys to influence in these past few messages, and today we're going to really bring it home by focusing on the most important way that we can influence in our lives, and that's growing in influence with God. A lot of us don't think about how we can grow in influence with God. We think about him influencing us, but we actually influence God. And the Bible makes it clear that he has friends. God has friends. He has people he can trust. He has people that listen to him and that he listens to. There are people like Abraham, Moses, David. These were some of God's friends. And these weren't perfect people, but they were people that he trusted. Isn't that amazing that God trusts us? As imperfect as we are, but it's because they, they grasp something in his heart. And I, even as we were singing today, I believe in you, I felt like as we were saying, I believe in you, he was saying, I believe in you. He was singing it back over us. I believe in you. And so if we're not aware of this fact that we influence God, it's going to affect all kinds of things in our spiritual walk. It's going to affect our prayer life. If you don't know how much you influence the heart of God, why would you even pray? If you don't know how powerful your, your words are in his ear, why would you, why would you even bother? Or, or how powerful you partnering with him in obedience is. How powerful that is. I, Havilah Cunnington came and, and she gave us a word to the ladies. And I wish all you men could be here, man. But you guys can get it online too. It's, it's for a limited time only. You can get it online on our podcast. Yep, just Saturday, but you can get it. So anyway, but she said that um, the Lord really convicted her. You don't take yourself seriously enough. And I get that there's, there's a limit to that. But a lot of us don't take ourselves seriously in God. And how we, our obedience affects things and affects God. And so the way that the Bible frames this understanding of influence is this little word called favor. Favor. And I want to take a look at Luke 2, verse 52. And I want to frame this verse by saying this verse um, happens right after Jesus was 12 years old. And he's in the temple and he's pursuing God in the temple, asking all kinds of questions. He's just starting out his life. And so it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he grew in wisdom, which is a spiritual thing, a gift. He grew in stature, which is a natural process, right? We all grow up. Uh, some of us grow up higher than others. Jake grew up quite a ways. Um, my kids are about to pass me up pretty soon. And I think I, what do I have, a 10-year-old? But... Also, he grew in favor with God and in favor with man. These are two different things, the spiritual and the natural. And so they do impact one another, but they are different things. And so we're going to really break this down here. Uh, first, I want to talk about favor and what favor really means. We get a little bit confused here because favor is a free gift of God. God gives us favor when we accept him as our Lord and Savior and and he sees us how he sees Jesus, positionally, right? But favor can also be cultivated. 
So we're given it as a free gift, and then we get to work with it, we get to cultivate it, we get to grow it, or we can squander it. We can choose to squander it, right? And we see this evident in the life of the prodigal son, the story that Jesus tells of that son who is given the favor of his father. And that's what, but he takes that favor in the form of money in this case, and he goes and squanders it. But the minute he comes back, he has that favor again, doesn't he? It never really left him, but now he gets to steward it when he comes back home, right? So favor with God and favor with man are both really important to God. I want to break down favor with God first. It is possible to have favor with people and be walking out of favor with God. Ouch, man, that, that's a scary place to be, honestly. It's, it's that time when we pursue success or money or, or popularity or whatever it is without God as our foundation. And we get out there and um, it becomes the cornerstone of our lives. We become to depend upon it. And we, we put our lives on it and it's shifting sand. It's rotting wood. And um, have you ever met people like this or maybe you are in a place like this where it seems like Everybody loves you. Things are going great for you. Everything your hand touches pretty much turns to gold. But there's something that's off. There's something that's being stolen from you, and you can't really put your finger on it. Maybe you have a secret addiction, or maybe you have marital problems, or maybe it's none of that. It's just this gnawing feeling that something isn't right. And there's this deep dissatisfaction. That's the devourer that's attached to that thing because you haven't positioned yourself right. Nebuchadnezzar experienced this in the book of Daniel. He was out there. He had all the power and the favor. God even uh, told him, hey, this is, you're amazing. You are great, and, and I've lifted you up. And he allowed him to walk in the favor of man. But he didn't yet establish that favor of God in his life. And so one day he was walking around thinking about how amazing his life was, and he just starts praising himself for how all these things have come into his life because he is so amazing. And God, in his mercy, removes the favor of man from his life. And I hope it's not this extreme for anyone in this room, but he goes out and he starts eating the grass and acting like a wild animal. He, he goes cuckoo. And uh, maybe he lifted up his cocoa puffs and he went cuckoo for cocoa. I don't know. I don't know why that, sorry. Um... <laughs> But God removes the favor in his man, of man in his life for a reason, because he wanted to establish a new foundation of favor, and that was from God alone. And so he allowed him to go through this time, and then he got it. One day, he just came up out of it. God restored his sanity, and he praised God because he had a new foundation for his life. It's awesome. So... For those of you who have not been too focused on the favor of God, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, to, to, to pursue the favor of God, it's not too late. The prodigal son came back. Even Nebuchadnezzar came back, and he was pretty far gone. So there's hope for you today. Now, I want to talk about the favor of God now. It is also possible to be walking in the favor of God and not to experience the fullness of the favor of, of man or favor of people in your life. This is a really hard place to be. How many of you have been there or are there? There are prophets in the Bible, especially prophets experience this, like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. 
There's a book called Lamentations. Because he was, it was because of his obedience to God, not in spite of it, that he wasn't favored by people. This is a hard place to walk because you can know that you're right before God, but, but you're misunderstood. And you're isolated from people. And it's not fun. You can live, though, without the favor of man. And you can prosper in your soul without the favor of man. But you don't ever want to live outside the favor of God, even if everything looks right on the outside. I want to be really vulnerable with you and share with you some of Jake and my story. Um, some of you know that we have planted a church a few years ago, and uh, we were meeting in a theater. Danielle, you remember this? <laughs> we were meeting in a theater, and it was really fun. It was the New Theater, theater number five, if you ever go in there. That was our church, and we loved meeting in there. And there was a time, though, that, that we got, it got through with our lease, and, and Jake came to me, and he was just like, you know what? Uh, he, handled, he handles all the finances, praise God. But he, he, would, he said, I, we can't make it. We're not going to be able to make it another year in this place. I really feel, and of course, you, you factor in faith to that thing, that equation, but really we, we prayed about it, and we're like, I feel like the Lord is saying, go into a home church setting. And we had never done home church before. And we, we looked at each other, we hugged each other, and we cried because we knew that it was saying no to a dream in our heart and, and that, that people wouldn't see us the same way as a home church. We were still a legitimate church, but, you know, we wouldn't have the whole band. People wouldn't be coming, you know, the, the worship band that was so amazing, and Jake was just on his guitar, and I'm preaching to my living room. And it was a tough time during that season, honestly. And there was this perception that I had to fight constantly that, that God wasn't pleased with me, that there was some, something I was missing because it didn't look like on the outside that I was being successful. But God gave me word after word from people I knew, from people I didn't know, because I needed it so much in that time. He gave both of us words. You are doing the right thing. You are pleasing unto him. And he had to show me that his favor was on my life, even when people fell by the wayside. And people might have judged us because we didn't have the externals. We didn't have people flocking to us. And I feel like some of you, he's rooting you in this season of feeling like there's nothing on the outside, that you are pleasing in his sight, that you are being obedient to him. And, and to resist the urge to, to fall into that trap of thinking that you've done something wrong just because you don't have things on the external. God might be putting you intentionally through the season of hiddenness. You might be in it right now, or you might be ready, ready to experience it. And you might have to get out this message and listen again. But God is doing this not to punish you, but he's firming up your foundation. And I love what Havila said. She said, if you're in a season of hiddenness, value this time. Because it won't last forever, and you might want it back someday. This this safe season where he can work in you and he can firm up your foundation and you can cultivate a relationship with God. It's such a special time to cultivate your relationship with God. And if you can't find your delight in a season like that, if you can't find your delight in God, then you're not going to find it when you have success. So find it. Find your delight in him. Let your soul prosper in that season. There's something that Dave Ramsey said. You guys know Dave Ramsey? He, he said this, and it really stuck with me. It was during the season of my life. He said, when you have momentum, you look a lot smarter than you really are. 
And when you don't have momentum, you look a lot dumber than you really are. Right? God, you are who God says you are. No more and no less. You are who God says you are. And you are not the sum of your press release, what everyone else is thinking about you. We need to anchor ourselves in that truth of who God says we are in any season. The favor of man is so fickle. I mean, we, t- we think about this on Palm Sunday. This was just a week before they were getting ready to kill him. They were waving palm branches and saying, hallelujah. And he was the most popular guy in town. I think the whole town came out. I was the same person preaching in my living room that I am here before you today. And I'm rooted in living from his pleasure, not trying to live for the pleasure of other people. So the favor of God determines how high you rise in the eternal realm. Those things you cultivate when you're going after the favor of God are going to last for eternity. But the favor of man determines how effectively you influence your world. So yeah, favor of God, prioritize that. But he also cares about the favor of man. And he's not going to leave you alone in that space. So I love what Josh did when he, he was out here, right? Remember this? And he's about to fall off the stage. And he was saying, you can pursue things out here or you can cultivate what's right here. Well, that's when you push down into the foundation of your favor with God, what God does is he pushes up the lid on your influence with other people. We all have a lid of influence, don't we? But God pushes it up and up and up the more we push down and down and down. I want to walk you through some of the highlights of Daniel and his friends, their ups and their downs in these first six chapters. And I drew some fun pictures for you. Um, I thought you would enjoy that. Daniel 1. Let's look at Daniel 1. Daniel, he's happy eating his vegetables. Um, And his friends, he and his friends decide instead of garnering favor from the king by doing everything the king says, eating all the king's food, they decide they're going to value favor with God even more. And so they press down onto their favor with God. And what does God do? He makes them better looking. How many can can receive that in Jesus' name? Better looking, (laughs) stronger, smarter than all of the rest. He pushes up the favor of man. Daniel 2, there's a problem. He, Daniel presses into his intimacy with God to get, do you like this? <laughs> to get a word from the Lord about this dream, right? And he, he ends up interpreting it, and he doesn't take the glory for himself. He gives it right back into God, and then God extends his favor. He puts him in a high position. And Daniel 5 We have a new king, King Belshazzar. He's partying hard when a divine finger comes and writes a message on the wall, and it's not very good news. And they call Daniel forward, and Daniel had to give hard news. I I forgot about this picture. that I. (laughs) Daniel had to give hard news to a king. I mean, you don't realize what that means. You could lose your life for that. And instead, he just gives it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He gives it like it is. And what does God do? God preserves Daniel's life. He gives him gifts. And then that very night, that king dies. But Daniel's life is preserved, and his position is preserved. Daniel 6, 
another king makes yet another stupid law, King Darius, that no one can worship anyone but him. And even though he's good friends with Daniel, he has to go into the lion's den. I love this lion, don't you? They're just chilling. <laughs> but he holds on to his friendship with God rather than obedience to his boss, the king. Pretty powerful boss. I doubt you have a boss that powerful. But, but he, God rescues him from the lions. And he puts Daniel in an even higher position. Not only that, but then Darius worships his God. And his position is established because the Lord established it. So when I say push down, I mean steward the best interests of your best friend God first, above all else. That's when God considers you a friend. And, and when he sees you caring for the things that he cares for, then he cares for the things that you care for. The things that concern you, he's got them when we start concerning ourselves with those things that he cares about. So ask yourself this question, can God trust you with influence? What if today he gave you all the favor in the world? What if he, you know, made you number two to the president or people started flocking around you for answers? Would you be so grounded in God that you would be sure to lead them right to the source? Here's the danger. Even when we start out by building a foundation of the favor of God, maybe in those hidden seasons where we're like, oh, I have nothing left to trust but God, and we're building that thing, and God's firming that up. But then when we get success, we start shoving other things into our foundation, don't we? How many of you have actually received a measure greater of influence in any sphere of your life during this series? Anybody during this season? Okay. This is a really key time for you because certain things should never get into our foundation. If it does, it's in the wrong place. God wants you to have favor of man, but it should never get into the foundation. I don't know. I'm not a builder, but I checked this out with Jake. He's, he built our house, so I think he knows a thing or two. You shouldn't build on wood as your primary foundation, should you? Right? So, what if, what if the foundation isn't, isn't totally dry yet and you start shoving wood into the foundation? Well, what's going to happen is the moisture is going to seep in and it's going to start to rot your foundation. And then it's, everything on top of it is going to crumble down. So what we try to do, like let's say money or accolades from people, you know, people, we start getting used to these things. At first we just appreciate them. And then we start getting used to these things. And we start slipping them into our foundation. Oh, like now, now, instead of just appreciating that, well, why didn't that person say that? Or why didn't I have this much money? Or whatever it is, it gets slipping into our foundation. And it erodes the very things that we're after. And so I just wonder, what if Daniel and his friends would have done something different? You know those books, like I used to look at the library and, and, as a kid and see those choose-your-own-adventure books? Yeah, and I always think about this, like, what if Daniel or his friends would have just one time done something different and did not pour into their foundation of the favor of God? A different choice. What if, you know, they would have just eaten the meat because everybody's doing it, it's fine, and God wouldn't have set them apart and exalt them, exalted them above their, their friends. Or if, if with 
King Belshazzar, when, um, when he got that word, what if Daniel would have just sweetened it just a little bit, you know, just to preserve his life? <laughs> you know, God would surely understand, right? But that would have prevented him from being promoted. And what if, you know, he stopped praying with his window open? It would have stopped the promotion God wanted to give him. Or if those guys, you know, I picture them, oh, well, how, how can we go about this when the, when the idol comes into town? Maybe we'll just, you know, lay on the ground and pretend like we're sleeping. You know, God will understand. <laughs> not, not that we're worshiping exactly, right? But instead, they openly defied fear of man. I think it's time for us to defy the fear of man. And there are, there are things that he wants you to do that speak to that, that say, I'm going to defy the fear of man. Look for those opportunities because there's promotion on the other side of it. It's so ironic. God wants to promote us, but that promotion will often require us to lay down the very promotion that he wants to give us. Isn't that it's pretty tricky of God, but that's the way he works. Daniel had destiny written all over him. He was made for significance. But here's what he grounded himself in, his significance before God. He was already significant before God. He's not going to find more significance out there than the significance he's getting from God. And then when you receive significance from other people, it's just icing on the cake. It's not the main deal. It's not the foundation. That's what God can build on. He, he never let his significance in the eyes of men get in the way of his significance before God. Because God knows you can be significant in the eyes of men and not in the eyes of God. When God brings the significance, there's no devourer attached to it. He never let his desire with connection for others. You know, we have a desire for connection. We have a need for connection with other people. He never let that get in the way of his connection with God. And any time that that might have happened, he drew, drew a line in the sand and said, no. I'm going to protect my connection with God first. He never fully relied and put all his weight on the promises of powerful men, but he put his weight on the promises of his God. And you may think, this is, this is a great message. Yay. <laughs> but walking this out is not going to be so easy <laughs> because when people are rejecting you openly, when your boss is rejecting you, when important people in your life are rejecting you, when push comes to shove, it's not easy to do, is it? But how powerful is it when we hold man's approval of us so loosely? Have you ever met people like this? That, that are, you're just attracted to them because they don't really care what you think. <laughs> and you're like, I want some of that. That's real influence. Some of us are so afraid of what we're going to lose. Even the things that God has blessed us with, we're so afraid we're going to lose our influence, our, our relationships, our control, whatever it is, our, our financial stability, that we pursue them over God. And the crazy thing is, the tighter our grip gets, the more it slips through our fingers. So if you have this fear of losing your spouse, maybe you've been divorced once before, but oh my gosh, this seems like that, you know? And, and you get all fearful, and then you pursue your spouse, and you, you end up pushing them away instead of pursuing God. 
And then for fear of losing your job, you, you try to kind of bow down to your boss and, and don't create any healthy boundaries in your life. And what does it end up doing? It makes that person respect you even less. And it pushes that away. And for fear of losing our children or our good friends, we try to just make everybody happy. <laughs> Instead of make, working to please the Lord, which he's already pleased with us. We just live out of that pleasure. So when we build a foundation on the favor of God, all of the other things that we've taught you in the series are going to work, and they will have no devourer attached to them. This is going to be great for this church when we get this. There is nothing that can stop you when you get this. There is no fear that can overcome you when you get this. It's especially going to be difficult, though, for when we walk into success, and he is preparing us for success. When things are going well, you know, Daniel, when he first went into the service of the king, he was a slave. I mean, it wasn't not easy, but there were certain little perks to his job, right? Like eating at the king's table. But he chose not to fully grasp those things. And so I want to show you something cool that I learned from Bill Johnson, Bethel Church in Reading. It just blew my mind, and, and it had so much to do with this. In Daniel 10... Daniel was serving King Cyrus, and we know, all we know from this, from the, what the Bible tells us, is that things go pretty well when Daniel's serving King Cyrus, that, that life is great for him. But even so, Daniel sets aside time to seek the Lord in this time. Let's look at Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. In those days, I, Daniel, mourned the days of three weeks. Why is he mourning? I mean, things are going well. But he chose to set aside that time for the Lord. I ate no desirable bread, neither flesh nor wine entered into my mouth, neither was I anointed with ointment till the days of three weeks were accomplished. I want you to focus on that word desirable. He was fasting, he was praying, he was abstaining from desirable things. Well, it's, it's interesting that what he points out here is that desirable, that same word in the original language, is also the same word used to describe Daniel himself, just a few uh, verses later. And I'm going to use Young's literal translation just to point this out to you. We're going to look at verse 11 of the same chapter. And this is an angel speaking to Daniel. It says, And he saith unto me, Daniel, man greatly desired, attend to the words that I am speaking unto thee, and stand on thy station, for now I have been sent unto thee. And when he speaketh with me this word, I have stood trembling. So here we have a man who refuses desirable food, and God responds back by saying, I desire you. You are the one I desire. You are a man greatly to be desired. And not only is he greatly to be desired by God, but then he becomes greatly to be desired by those around him. So I want to show you a little illustration have a purse here. And let's pretend that this purse is my favor with God. Okay? And let's see what I have in here. I have a wallet. Let's presume it's filled with money, even though it's probably not. <laughs> um, I have a whistle. That's going to come in handy and get, you know, times of trouble, right? Or if I need to yell at my kids or whistle at my kids instead. Uh, not yell, right? We don't do that, do we? So, I have keys with lots of fun buttons on them. They can get me places. 
I have gum, which comes in really handy for not only yourself, but those around you. Uh, that causes favor to happen in your life. Um, and then there's a protein bar. Uh, sometimes we need those. We need something to eat. Uh, what else? Okay. I, I will have a Sharpie. Comes in handy. I, there's a lot of times where I'm always looking for Sharpies. Okay. So what if I gave all of this stuff right here to a three-year-old? You guys know. Immediately, what would the three-year-old do? Start drawing with the Sharpie on everything they find. Um, probably eat this whole pack of gum in one bite and swallow it right? They would push all the buttons, probably make the car alarm go off, and of course, down this thing, and then the, the whistle, they'd start blowing it when you're in the car, right? Or in the middle of a service like this, because it would be super fun to do it then. Not other times, but just those times, right? So, so what a person of immaturity does is when they get things, they immediately use everything, right? All at once, a mature person would use it for the bigger picture, right? So a mature person might share this gum with someone or, you know, use the Sharpie on specific items and not everything and maybe, you know, blow the whistle when they're in need but not in the middle of a church service and definitely not in the car, right? So, so that's what God's looking for when he gives us things that we know how to show restraint and not use everything in our backpack. You know, I think about this whistle even. I don't know why. The, the Lord just kept showing me whistle. And I feel like sometimes you might think you need to be a whistleblower. And maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to be quiet. I don't know. Maybe that's for somebody. Um, but we don't always need to use the fullness of our authority. That's what causes us to actually be powerful. It's that meekness. So God has a great desire for people who forgo their own desires. And, and it's not like he's forcing you to do this, but he's giving you wisdom in how to use it. He's not taking it away from you. He's giving you wisdom. So when I was obedient to God and I preached in my living room and Jake led worship, God honored me for that because I could have done other things. And when, you have, when you're in your workplace and you have a right to point out someone's flaws but you know they can't handle it right now, and you just refrain, God sees that. It, he takes notice of that. Or if, if you're rejoicing about something and, and your friend is going through a really hard time and mourning, so you put your rejoicing aside and you mourn with that person that mourns. God sees that. He takes notice. If you see a job that's undone and, and you feel like, I, I probably should just step in, even though it's not in my scope of responsibility at all, He's not forcing you to do this, but if it's in your heart to do, do it, and he sees it. A powerful person looks to the bigger purpose, and that's when God goes, oh, now I can expand, expand this person's fear because I know how they're using this. They're showing restraint, and he might give you more than you can handle just to see if you're going to show restraint. If, if you root yourself in this, God's going to do all these things we talked about in the series so far. And I just want to remind you of those really quick. He's going to position you right where he needs you to be for the greatest impact. He's going to give you revelation and share your secrets, share his secrets with you. 
Some of you, maybe for forgetting to ask God for wisdom in certain, maybe a new level of wisdom that you never expect him to have, ask him to pour it out on you. You'll be prepared for the promotion that's coming your way. A lot of times, it feels so little like promotion, the split second before we get a promotion. <laughs> we were feeling like we're getting demoted. The other thing is that you're going to stand secure when opposition comes, as it will. With promotion comes opposition. But he's going to know that you have that strength to stand because you're on a firm foundation. When Kevin Zadai came a few weeks ago, he, he shared some prophetic words with Jake and I, and the one thing really stuck out to me that he said to us, and it was, your faithfulness has put a demand on heaven. Your faithfulness has put a demand on heaven. That means it's heaven's job to complete what he started in you. Your job is to be faithful. When Daniel prayed, God immediately dispatched angels. He didn't just do this because he prayed, which is great, but he did it because Daniel prayed. And Daniel was a man who was faithful. Powerful are the prayers of a righteous man or woman. Powerful. God's, Daniel's faithfulness placed a huge demand on heaven. Do you want to place a demand on heaven? The demand is on heaven to see your destiny fulfilled. Havla said this too. God gets more glory from you being a success than from your failures. He gets glory either way, but he gets more glory at you being a success. Don't be afraid of that. Remain faithful to him. Many of you in this room are faithful. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you who you are to encourage you in your faithfulness. Because if you're not encouraged in it, you're going to get tired of it. I know how it feels to get tired of doing the right thing, get tired of your faithfulness. But if you don't get tired of being faithful to God, he won't get tired of being faithful to you. He's going to keep his promise to you. He wants us to be great. Remember when the disciples came to Jesus and asked who would be the greatest? We think, oh, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. Why would they ever ask that, you know? Us and our holiness would never ask such a thing. And, but the thing that, that, concern, that surprises me about Jesus is that he never lectured them for asking the question. He never said, oh, you shouldn't want to be great. Instead, he told them how, which was a hard thing, to be a servant of all. But he never reprimanded them for wanting to be great because he put it inside of all of us. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Some of us interpret that verse to say, humble yourself before me so I can bury you and walk on top of you. Because that's what's happened to us. <laughs> or humble yourself before me so I can remove every reward from your life. That's not what God's saying. He wants us to humble ourselves so he can be the one to seat us in the heavenly realms. And so he can be the one to make us a beacon of light for the world around us. Because when he lifts us up, that place is secure. When we lift ourselves up, it's compromised. The way up is down. Some of us 
try so hard to work for the favor of God. And it's already been given to us. It's already been given. He doesn't, he doesn't love when you do it trying to get his favor. You have it. Live from it. He says over you, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. You know, he said that over Jesus before he did a single thing. He said, this is my son. And Jesus rooted himself in that understanding of his sonship. Some of us have found ourselves building on a foundation of what other people think about us. Maybe we started out with the right foundation when the times were hard, and now maybe that foundation's being compromised or your foundation isn't yet firm, it's time to just draw a line in the sand. It's time to say no to fear of man once and for all. This church will not harbor a fear of man in Jesus' name. We are gonna be mighty and people will be drawn to us because the only thing we're concerned about is pleasing you, God. So pray this prayer with me. Thank you, God, for the free gift of favor you've given me through Jesus Christ. Thank you that if I never did another thing, you would still love me as your child. I choose this day to risk everything I have to be obedient to you. I release my hold on those things that I value. And I choose to value you above all. I humble myself before you. And I know that you will be faithful to lift me up in your way, in your time. You are a good God who gives good gifts to his children. You are for me and not against me. Thank you for the influence, the favor, and the blessing you've prepared for me. I choose to be brave and to follow you wherever you lead me. To the lion's den or to that next promotion you have for me. I will follow you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.